Parents across San Diego County likely took a big sigh of relief this week as the county greenlighted a plan for schools to reopen. The exact details vary district by district, as well as parents' choices. There are options to continue remote instruction, have a hybrid model, or return to in-person schooling. As always, the virus presents a series of unknowns, but leaders are cautiously optimistic about the fall. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Kristen Takeda, you covered the K-12 education for the San Diego Union-Tribune. Walk us through the changes this week. What is allowed now? Yeah, so the county basically finalized this week that schools can reopen for classes, in-person classes on campus, but um, districts are still, a lot of districts are still kind of far away from that because there's so much planning that will have to go um, and be finalized before they can safely return to campus. So there's just a lot of factors that all schools will have to consider before bringing kids back to campus. And then on top of that, there's also this big, money issue where um, schools are not sure yet still how much money they're going to get for next school year. So these are, those are all the things going through schools minds right now. And it's a lot. So yeah, the whole thing seems like it's constantly moving. And that budget issue is complicated. Can you walk us through kind of how we got to the situation and how bad this problem is? Yeah, so basically, we're not sure yet what whether schools will be getting funding cuts from the state for next school year or not. And a lot of it will depend on whether or not the federal government steps in and provides more aid, which a lot of school districts are saying that they still need more. Um, and the state is saying they need more federal aid in order to prevent lots of cuts that could happen to agencies, especially schools. So we're still that whole question is still in the air and it, there's it's far from guaranteed that the federal government will give more aid. We have no, we don't really know yet. So schools are kind of holding their breath right now and making plans right now because um, the plans will take a long time, but it's not sure yet whether they can afford to reopen physically like San Diego Unified um, announced this week that the, the funding proposal, uh, there was a funding proposal that was passed early, earlier this week, but it would only by the legislature, but it would only be enough to fund half a year of reopened schools. So even now it's, yeah, we, we don't know if we'll have reopened schools next fall. It all depends on the funding situation. Certainly. And what's uh, going on nationally is uh, there's a quite a bit of politicking uh, uh, deciding whether or not there'll be another stimulus and exactly how much. And I imagine school districts across the the whole entire country are deeply concerned because we're getting close to when schools traditionally reopen. And even in places that haven't shut down the way California has, it's still going to be a problem because tax revenues across the board went down because of the shutdown. So all of these things are in the air. It makes it very difficult for, you know, this necessity for American life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So given all those unknowns that really kind of a podcast on all those unknowns. What are the current plans for preventing the spread of COVID-19, assuming that this in-person instruction continues? What are the kind of general plans? Yeah, so what schools will have to do is figure out um, a number of things. Like One is that the county, there's um, this county office of education in San Diego that gives guidance to schools on what they should be thinking about as they're planning reopening. And one of the main things is they'll have to prepare for 
potential, like probably all staff and students will have to wear masks. So that's one, um, that's one thing that, um, will probably happen is everyone will be wearing masks. Um, and then the other, another big issue is spacing. So in order to have enough physical distancing for all students and staff, the schools are, schools are going to have to find ways to make more space in classrooms and schools that traditionally fit, you know, they could fit up to like 30 plus kids in one classroom, but that's impossible to have distancing in that kind of a situation. So, um, school will have to get much more creative about how they make space. Um, the county suggested even making agreements with like community spaces like the YMCA's or um, religious institutions or community theaters to use their spaces as classrooms, which is an interesting idea um, and that traditional schools don't really do, um, haven't really done. So um, that's probably one of the that's one of the biggest issues schools will have to work out. Yeah, the whole schooling issue, and especially in-person school for you know younger students, that's been perhaps the biggest complicating factor when it comes to how we get out of the shutdown from COVID-19, because many parents depend upon school, not only for education, of course, but taking care of the kids while they can go to work. And when you don't have that, how can an economy function when people don't have access to adequate child care? That's uh, certainly one of the concerns that uh, Scott Lewis of uh, Voice of San Diego has been harping on for the past several weeks. And it's, I imagine, a big relief seeing these actual changes coming from leaders within the school districts. So it seems that parents will have a degree of choice when it comes to whatever kind of situation works for their students. Can you walk us through how that'll work? And I understand that it'll vary district by district, but what's the kind of options that will be out there? Yeah, it seems like many, if not most school districts in the county are planning to offer two to three choices for parents. Um, One choice is to bring their kids back to in-person school, like relatively like normal. So just bringing school uh, kids to school. And then another option is for continuing distance learning. So just learning from home. And then some districts are offering a hybrid model, which is a mix of both in-person and online learning. Um, and so each of those will be, and the schools are offering that, trying to offer that flexibility because there will be many parents, like you said, who are kind of desperate to get their kids back to school because they need the childcare or because they're just exhausted from distance learning at home during this pandemic. It is a very um, big task for parents who are working and who aren't, I mean, parents are not supposed to be the teachers, teachers are supposed to be the teachers. So um, there's that aspect for in-person, that need for in-person schooling. But on the other hand, there are some parents who are concerned about the safety risks of going back to school or the, um, the students might have under, might have medical conditions that um, make it um, more risky for them to go back to school where there are like potentially hundreds of people around. Um, or there could be family members in that student's household where they can't risk getting exposed to COVID. So um, those are some of the uh, major reasons why a family might choose or need distance learning. So schools are trying to be really understanding of that and offer multiple options for parents so that they can choose what is safest or what they feel most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Certainly in this period, it seems like 
the entire nation is kind of deciding what level of risk are you comfortable with if you're lucky enough to have a choice to work from home. Now you, in California, you have the option to go out and dine and go to a bar if you want. And, you know, some people choose to go out, some people don't. We're seeing kind of the whole range of responses to, you know, things coming slowly back to normal. But during this time, uh, this has also been a major experiment in distance learning. Uh, what do we know about how that has gone and what might be different uh, when we kind of restart things with the knowledge of what worked and what didn't work during the initial shutdown? I think a lot of schools will agree that distance learning has been very, um, for a lot of districts, it has been really difficult. And um, distance learning was forced on everybody at the beginning of this pandemic. And that's one reason why uh, so many people are expecting that there will be huge learning losses. Like a lot of students will be coming back to school in the fall really behind. Um, and a lot of students have not learned much or anything, um, have not learned much during this pandemic so far. So I think it's very, I think it, a lot of people can agree that distance learning will have to be improved or um, solidified more in the fall when schools offer this as an option for parents to choose. And because some families will have to continue doing distance learning um, possibly for all of the next school year. So it can't be, um, it can't be, just seen as like an emergency last minute option like it was for the past few months for some districts. So um, one of the um, changes that I see some districts planning for um, in distance learning is adding on-site or different kinds of um, options in addition to just online learning. Um, these include like potentially doing internships or doing on-site PE somewhere in a safe place or um, just more, or career technical education courses, um, just adding some kind of in, more hands-on in-person um, or just hands-on activities in addition to just learning from Zoom or through an online program. So I think that's one way that um, some schools are looking to kind of mix up distance learning a bit more and make it more interactive. Um, and so I think there will also be a focus on training for um, now that uh, some schools will be opening, uh, will hopefully be reopening physically um, and more teachers will be going back to the classrooms. Um, there will be, it'll be, it might be easier for schools to focus their teachers who are already really comfortable and trained in distance learning and kind of siphoning those teachers to, um, distance learning rather than just forcing all teachers, even those who are not traditionally used to that, um, forcing all of them onto distance learning, if that makes sense. So um, hopefully there will be um, improvements and changes to distance learning so that it's not just a continuation of what's been going on. Hmm. And what have you heard from teachers during this time? Because going back to teaching is a health risk no matter what you do, pretty much. Yeah, I think it depends on the teacher. There are lots, of, there are significant numbers of teachers who might be older or at risk or have underlying health conditions. And so they would not be, um, many of those teachers might not be comfortable coming back to school and potentially exposing themselves to um, just a greater risk. But I've been hearing from a lot of teachers that they really miss their students. They miss seeing them in person. They miss having 
that personal intera- interaction with their kids beyond just seeing their face or sometimes not even seeing their faces at all on a Zoom call or something like that. So I think there are there will probably be a number of teachers who are really looking forward to going back to school and um, make, being able to make those personal connections um, with their students face-to-face rather than just vir- this virtual distance that they've been having to deal with so far. Mm-hmm. And right now, there's still a lot of unknowns. Are there any key dates when we expect to learn something a little bit more concrete about what the plans are for the next school year? It'll all depend on each school or district um, when they'll finalize their plans. And I think a lot of schools are not, a lot a lot of districts have not yet finalized reopening plans. And for those that have, um, those plans aren't complete yet either. They still um, a lot of districts, I think, will need to survey their families to see what their what each family wants, um, whether they want distance learning or in-person learning. They'll have to do that and then kind of make their plans around that because if all of their families want to come back or if all like most of their families don't want to come back, that'll really change what their plans are. So I think it'll still be some time, a good amount of time before we know exactly what school is going to look like, but um, yeah, the de- it, it, there's not a lot of time to figure that out because school is going to start as early. It could start as early as July, um, but I guess a lot of schools will be starting in August at least. But there's just so many things that have to happen before that can um, before schools can reopen. They have to make uh, agreements with their teachers' unions and all other unions for staffing. They need to. Um, you know, communicate and all these changes to parents and they need to talk with schools and parents about um, what they, what details they want to see in their reopening plans. So it's a, it's a lot of planning and then getting all the supplies they need, like personal protective equipment or other cleaning equipment. There's just so much um, and getting the spaces they need. There's just so much stuff that schools have to do. So it's, it's a short timeline pretty much. Mm Mm-hmm. Certainly, it's crunch time. Kristen Takeda, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. In other news, the San Diego Unified School District will raise the Black Lives Matter flag at its headquarters on Monday, and it will consider a board resolution Tuesday to annually recognize Juneteenth, the holiday that commemorates the end of slavery in America. If the school board passes the Juneteenth resolution, which is expected, it will be the first time the district officially recognizes the holiday. San Diego Unified is one of several public entities to commemorate Juneteenth. Governor Gavin Newsom has declared Saturday as Juneteenth in California. On Friday night, the San Diego County Administration Building and the California Capitol Dome were to be lit in red, black, and green, colors that represent Pan-Africa and the African Disapora. California has recognized Juneteenth since 2017. Juneteenth commemorates June 19, 1865, when a Union general came to Galveston, Texas, to proclaim the end of the Civil War and the end of slavery. The holiday holds deep significance and is often referred to as the real Independence Day for Black Americans, but it has been relatively little known to the general public and is often missing from traditional history curricula in schools. Knowledge of the holiday is surging nationwide this year, however, largely thanks to Black Lives Matter movement that emerged in response to deaths in police custody, 
Most recently, the death of George Floyd, an unarmed black man who was killed by a police officer in Minneapolis. The board's resolution will also call for teachers to, quote, teach the importance of Juneteenth and current movements such as Black Lives Matter that advance liberation efforts for the black community with classroom lessons throughout the year. San Diego Unified will raise the Black Lives Matter flag Monday, along with the pride and transgender flags, which the district raised for the first time last year. San Diego News Fix is hosted and edited by myself, Daniel Wheaton. If you want to join in our recordings, like the Union Tribune on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where you will see us go live in the afternoons. Special thanks to Luis Cruz and Jared Valliere for producing the live broadcasted recordings on social media. Digital Creative Director Beto Alvarez is this podcast editor. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. This podcast is made possible by subscribers to the San Diego Union Tribune. As we live through this momentous time in history, the truth and facts matter. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrip.com slash subscribe. Until next time.